Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into Soccer Morning here on WST, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Your home for the discussion of all things soccer. Big show for you today on a Monday. Mondays are weekend recap days because that's when we play most of our soccer on the weekends. And then we come out of the weekends and we have to talk about it. We have to uh, get it all out. Opinions, thoughts, analysis, etc. and so forth. Charlie Bohm, our good friend Charles Bohm, will join us in a couple of minutes to go over the MLS weekend, rivalry weekend. Plus, look at the uh, semifinals for the Women's World Cup, which are now set, thanks to those games that we just got done with on the weekend. The U.S. women threw on Friday night. one nothing winners, because that's just what they do now. They just win games one nothing. They beat China one nothing. They move on, and now they're going to face, bum, 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 Germany. Germany, who beat France in penalties. Because that's what Germany does when they get to penalties. They win penalties. France, probably the better team. We'll talk about all of this with Charlie. We'll talk about the MLS weekend with Charlie. There's plenty of things to talk about with Charlie. We're going to open up the phone lines after we talk to Charlie. Big show for you. That's what we do. Let's hit some of those headlines. We'll start with MLS Rivalry Week. I think I may have said rivalry wrong that time. But let's say it again. MLS Rivalry Week. Uh, The rivalry matches... Of note, on Friday night, FC Dallas beating Houston Dynamo 2-0. Fabian Castillo, excellent. Mo Diaz, excellent. FC Dallas looking like the FC Dallas that once upon a time was leading the Western Conference. Maybe they can recapture some of that. Maybe it's a rivalry game, a derby, a El Capitan Texas Derby that gets them back on top. Or on their way, back into the discussion. The Western Conference incredibly competitive, and no, uh, you don't need any more example of that than San Jose beating the LA Galaxy 3-1 in front of 50,000 at Stanford Stadium. Look, the, the Quakes show up in that game every single year. Whenever they host the Galaxy at Stanford, they seem to show up. They come back from deficits, they, et cetera, and so forth. And they did it again. This coming after the Galaxy had scored scored 10 goals over their last two MLS matches, and 16 goals in about a week and a half. And the Quakes shut them down for the most part. Janino with a blast to open up the proceedings, but uh, San Jose was the better team from there uh, there forward. Chris Wondolowski, midfielder, is interesting. We'll talk to Charlie about that development under Dom Kinnear because at one point, Wondolowski broke up play in the midfield, found Matias Garcia-Perez on the outside, made the late run and got on the end of a cross and scored a goal. Uh, about a 60-yard run for Mr. Wondolowski. And if they're going to get that from him and good play from Matias Garcia-Perez, Perez-Garcia, did I have it backwards? Make sure I get that right. <laughs> it is Monday, after all. It is Garcia-Perez. No, it's Perez-Garcia. I see. Look at that. Uh, so Wondolowski scores. Obviously, uh, the Quakes win a big match. The Red Bulls winning the Battle of New York, the Hudson River Derby, 3-1. Chris Duvall with a very nice goal. Jesse Marsh, all sorts of pumped up. Uh, 48,000 out at Yankee Stadium for that game. Is it a rivalry? I don't care. 
Certainly the fans show up, and it looks like a big, big match every time these two teams line up against each other so far. It's happened twice so far, and the Red Bulls have gotten the better of City both times. Jason Christ with some serious questions to answer in New York. And the uh, final rivalry week matchup of the weekend, the Portland Timbers put the sword to the Seattle Sounders 3-1, sorry, 4-1. Fernando Adi scoring twice in about a minute and a half to uh, to pull away, to help the Timbers pull away in that match. Will Johnson, very good. Darlington Nagby, uh, excellent. We may have to open up some discussion about the influence of Darlington Nagby in the Portland Timbers team. Scored his first goal, got the Timbers on the board. A good sign, perhaps, for Portland. It's not that he hasn't been. It's not that he's been a bad player so far. It's, it's that when he's not scoring, that seems to overshadow everything else that he does on the field. There were other games that were not rivalry matchups over the weekend, including Toronto and DC playing to a goalless draw, Philadelphia Montreal on a sloppy, wind-strewn pitch in uh, Philadelphia, drawing two to two. New England uh, losing to Vancouver at home 2-1. Just two ugly, ugly plays to give up goals to the Vancouver Whitecaps, including Andrew Farrell's red card of questionable variety. Although you put your hands out, you're going to get called. Sporting Kansas City 2-0 over Colorado, who's just abysmal right now, uh, or uh, in general. RSL 2, Columbus 2. That game, a Columbus comeback. Uh, And then I believe that's it. That's the weekend right there. Your MLS scores. As mentioned before, the U.S. is preparing for a showdown with Germany at the Women's World Cup. And the other matchups this weekend, I mentioned um, Germany getting past France to set that one up. England shocking Canada. And England will now play Japan, who beat the Aussies in the quarterfinals. Uh, England with the uh, 2-1 win over the home side, dashing some dreams of a USA-Canada final. Gonzalo Hara of Chile has been banned for the rest of Copa America. That's three matches for his Incident with Edison Cavani. Uh, new details out said Cavani reports that uh, Hara said your dad's going to jail for 20 years, which is just cruel um, in the uh, news, uh, the aftermath of Edison Cavani's father being arrested for a DUI. I believe there was a fatality in that accident, but I'm not positive about that. I go back and look at the details. In Copa America, Chile without Hara against Peru tonight in the semifinals. And finally, and this will open up some discussion here, Taylor Twelman is part of the broadcast yesterday up in New York saying that MLS is working on a quote-unquote mechanism to bring a couple of Mexican internationals to the league, Chicharito Hernandez and Giovanni Dos Santos. What kind of mechanism could this be? MLS already has plenty of mechanisms that would allow for the two players to join the league, although you would imagine if they have specific destinations in mind, and those clubs already have their three DP slots filled. Uh, the league may find some way to manipulate the system because it's their system, and that's what they do. Chicharito Hernandez and Giovanni Dos Santos in MLS. Wow, if they could actually figure out how to pull that off, that would be a coup of uh, some measure. We had at NYC's uh, at City uh, Red Bulls this weekend. A host of luminaries in attendance, including Andrea Pirlo, Frank Lampard, who's definitely joining the team, LL Cool J, Gareth Bale. What the heck? It may not be a rivalry, but it sure as hell is an event. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk to Charlie Bohm from MLSsoccer.com and Soccer Wire and other places. 
about MLS and the women's national team. Don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. The best way to watch Copa America and the greatest players in the world, including Leo Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, and Alexi Sanchez, is on Sling International's exclusive broadcast of Copa America on BN Sport. Sling TV is the number one live international TV service in the United States. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch every single Copa America game live or on demand featuring Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and more. Plus, Sling International gives you access to Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, the New York Cosmos, Serie A, and more top networks offered by Sling TV. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss the best leagues in the world on Sling International. Sign up today at www.sling.com slash soccer. Again, that's sling.com slash soccer. This Sunday evening, the Women's World Cup Final will determine who is the greatest team on the planet. Will it be the U.S. of A., Japan, Germany, or England that will be crowned champions? Whoever it'll be, I'd like to invite you to join my World Soccer Talk friends Carter Krishnire and Caitlin O'Connell on Rabble.tv for a real fan's perspective. With Rabble.tv, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on television, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to soccer fans sharing their analysis. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app today and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app on Sunday. So mark your calendars for Sunday, July 5th at 6.45 p.m. Eastern and celebrate the Women's World Cup Final with Cardick and Caitlin live on Rabble.tv. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning. Happy to be joined by our friend Charles Bohm. Follow him on Twitter at C-B-O-E-H-M. It's either Bohm or Boehm or something more German sounding. I'm not sure. But uh, for our purposes, we make it simple. Charlie, how are you today? Doing great. Doing great, Jason. The sun is shining and the weather is mild. In the I know it is not. It's uh, it's like it's almost cool this morning. I'm shocked. Uh, we yeah, are in California morning. Yeah, we yes. are enjoying it very much uh, here in the Mid Atlantic area. All right. Uh, so we've got MLS. We've got the Women's uh, World Cup. Let's start with Rivalry Week, uh, or certainly MLS results from the weekend, Charlie. Uh, and I think uh, that you know can't bury the lead. Those two games that we had yesterday up at NYC and out in Portland uh, are going to dominate some discussion just because of uh, the vibrancy of those atmosphere, the size of the crowds, certainly the results on the field. Uh, I'm going to start with the last, and that's Portland 4, Seattle 1. How much, are you, how much do you have to fight the urge to completely throw this thing out because of what Seattle's been dealing with? Uh, I'll say immediate amount because... Uh you know, rivalry games is not supposed to matter, right? To, to some extent. I mean, we we talk about rivalry games in terms like doesn't matter who's where in the standings. You know, uh, the outside factors that you would use just don't apply to the same extent. I know that there's some Sounders fans that are cutting Siggy Schmidt and company some slack right now because of all the absences. But a lot of that is self 
uh, imposed. I mean, Clint Dempsey brought it upon himself to be missing this game by having his outburst in the U.S. Open Cup. And I think deep down, it still it still bothers uh, Sounders fans to lose that game, just like it would bother Timbers fans in the in the reverse. And the same goes for all those other rivalries. You know, it always uh, is uh, unpleasant to have uh, have the trash talking um, coming from the opposite direction, even if there are asterisks to apply to that. It's it's also the the measure of the defeat. Four one. Fernando Adi getting going off and scoring twice, and, and Darlington Nagby getting his first goal of the year. How about we focus there because it, the there may not be a player who is more difficult to pin down than Darlington Nagby. We know he's got the ability. I think it's tr- it's hard for people to really pull out whether he is playing well and doing well and contributing a lot to Portland if he's not scoring goals. Maybe there's a little a little pressure off of him and. Give me your perspective on, on where Nagby is in his development. Well, there's there's reasons for for um, excitement. There's reasons for frustration and doubt. I mean, he is he's getting on in years now. He's a bit long in the tooth to be talking about his development. Sure, um, but but you know that's a, a very sort of um, broad brush, generalized uh, treatment. What I would say more specifically in his case is. Um, his story isn't done. He can still find ways to be better, and he has. And I urge everybody to read Matt Doyle's column, uh, column from last night um, where he takes a look at some of the stats um, beyond the uh, scoring sheet um, where Nagbe has become a, a sort of raises game and become a, a next-level player in a lot of ways already. And if you want to look at yesterday's goal and the, and the you know, overall performance as a little bit of a uh, an exclamation point or a milestone by all means we we uh, I get really tired of hearing people drone on about the end product um, but it's a valid concern and he provided the end product you know but I think right now as well as that Timbers attack is playing you have to look at things in, in uh, as a group a little bit and they've really seemed to have found a rhythm I really like um, how Gata has come on uh, in that role there with Valeri and Nagbe, I mean, it, it, by conventional wisdom, there's too many creatives, right, in that in that uh, structure right now with those three guys in there doing very similar things. But it's working because they can get together, they can combine, they, they understand each other a bit, and it's fun to watch when it works. I think uh, I think uh, Fernando Audi's first goal, uh, the go-ahead goal that Timber scored in the 74th that Nagby set up, perhaps more indicative of what he does typically in that system or for the Timbers than even the goal itself. I mean, uh, this hard-charging run, he draws defenders, he creates space, and he puts a, a ball to Adi, who was a fantastic finish from Adi, but that is all built on, on Nagby and, and what he did. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a finishing drill at times, didn't it? I mean, the way they were able to get um, create uh, clear looks, and put them away. I mean, I thought Ronnie Wallace's goal late on was was fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. And in terms of you look at the combinations, and uh, we talk about Seattle's missing men, but they weren't missing too many men in the back. And um, and that's a well, you know, effectively a supporter shield caliber back line that was absolutely carved open at will uh, by the Timbers. So um, I, it's going to be intriguing to watch whether they can sustain it uh, over the dog days here. But certainly they're in a great place right now after some some spring struggles hey, with the uh, gold cup call-ups coming up uh, portland doesn't figure to be overly uh overly impacted i'm trying to think wallace more than likely is going to see it that's probably already determined i just haven't checked charlie i don't know who else 
Uh, who else they might lose? Will Johnson to the Canadian national team. That actually is a big he's, loss. He's actually not getting called up. So okay. I think, I think Portland's right. going to be in a great shape. To, right. they, they've climbed into the top three in the West, and they have every opportunity to kick on because uh, Benito Floro, the the uh, Canada coach, has not called in Johnson uh, under the, ju- the justification that he's physically not quite ready to do the hard pressing that he wants from Canada Fair enough. coming back from his, his broken leg. So that's good news. And that they'll keep their Argentines, I think. And uh, um, Wallace, we'll, we'll find out in a moment here. But you know, nonetheless, I mean, they've got they've got some bodies, they've got some options, and and they're feeling good about themselves. And with that team, I think in that market, that momentum and confidence are huge. Yep. So uh, we'll go back. We'll check on Roddy Wallace, and, and I apologize for not knowing off the top of my head. We can't know everything around here. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about uh, New York City FC and the Red Bulls. Um, you know, New York. There's not a. There shouldn't be a lot expected of City, and yet they had come off that three-game winning streak, or they came into this game with a three-game winning streak. They had shown signs of progress. Uh, we had Tommy Mack to to be excited about, uh, and then they run up against a better team. Uh, I don't care about the stage and the forty-eight thousand. It's great that they were out there, but the Red Bulls should have uh, probably always should have won that game. We just didn't know if they be able to put it together. Because of the way things had gone for them, and they they did win midweek, Charlie. Yeah, I think they are. It's it's in a sense, given what expansion demands from MLS clubs, it's it's not fair to compare them um, the way that a rivalry inevitably does. Uh, but there were there were signs again. I mean, I thought it was a traditional sort of expansion performance. There were signs of real promise. If a few breaks go differently. Um, you know that game could turn out a lot differently, but really, I think what it came down to was the uh, the Red Bulls just um, surging forward and just leaving them in the dust after halftime. I, you know, we'll, would love to know, would love to have a camera, right? All access cameras to know what uh, Jesse Marsh said to his team at the half because that certainly worked and it it outpaced what Christ had set up w- mm-hmm. with City. Um, and the other thing too is, you know, it's great to see those great numbers at the at the Yankee Stadium for the the rivalry match, the Derby or what have you. But it was pretty quiet at times, and the New York uh, Red Bulls traveling fans made sure to point that out. The city is still figuring out its identity, both on the field and in the stands. And and um, they uh, it would have helped them a lot, I think, maybe to to, to jump ahead a little bit if they if they gotten a big result like that in yeah. that setting on national TV that way. But it didn't come to pass, and. Mm. And so they'll have to keep on slogging. Certainly a, a, a game with uh, two very different halves. By the way, doesn't seem that Rodney Wallace has been called up by Costa Rica, so even more good news for the Timbers during the Gold Cup period. Um, it, it, it's certainly a game of, of two different halves. And, uh, I, I mean, I don't know what you take. You mentioned that the, the adjustments at halftime or whatever was said. It may not even be directly adjustments. Um, but did you notice, I mean, were you able to, to really hone in on any specific differences for the Red Bulls? It's always good to have Bradley Wright Phillips finishing things because he doesn't always do that. That seems to be as much of a, a key to success for the Red Bulls as anything. Well, it's interesting to to watch the effect that pitch uh, at Yankee Stadium plays on the both teams. In a sense, you know, I saw signs that New York are are figuring it out. I really wonder um, how they train for it. I'm, I'm sure they don't get to spend much time on that pitch itself because of the the um, ground sharing with the Yankees. Right. So are they training in smaller uh, environments in in the weekly atmosphere at training? Um, because and the 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 diamond when they you know when they're clicking it really works well in tight spaces there. But in yesterday's case, I thought I thought the Red Bulls pressing mm-hmm. uh, was really well suited because there's less real estate on that field. And there's so there's less time for everything, and 
you know they have a pretty good ball playing midfield uh city does but but their their defenders aren't quite as comfortable playing in those tight spaces and so whenever the red bulls were able to get numbers into the channel maybe pressure those outside backs as they try to build out of the back um or create uh, awkward choices for the center backs that led to uh, some some turnovers some transitions and that's where the red bulls thrive and then you know see a, a little moment of magic here and there from guys yeah. like sasha question i think mike grell is a great um sort of easily overlooked story from that team he's got a um got a creative streak and and has fit well into the ethos of the, the pressing ethos and so just a lot of things came together to where they were well suited to get a result in that environment yeah mike grell a pretty good finisher too um Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, I did. Know, I mean, it certainly was obvious. The Red Bulls were were not. Uh, they weren't troubled by the size of, of that field, especially in the second half, attacking the, the the city back line. They they did well in tight spaces, and they found uh, they found room to work, and and they pretty much made the the city back line look ridiculous. And that leads us to the question of again, they they very well could go out and find somebody. Certainly a a below DP level defender. They're, they're going to have to because they're going to fill up their spots. Um, but everyone's talking about their midfield. We know Lampard's coming. There's there's continued rumors that Pirlo is going to sign. They need they really do need some defensive help, though. Yeah, I mean, there's. <laughs> I mean, nothing against <laughs> Jason. How complex the nothing uh, against Jason Hernandez, and I know Shea Facey is a is a prospect, but that's what they are. They're a, they're an older, sort of ill suited player for that for that situation, and and a prospect. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know for certain uh, what, the, what the situation is with Pirlo, but it certainly seems very likely to happen. And it does give credence to the idea that there's multiple decision makers, um, you know, both on this side and on the other side of the Atlantic. Um, I don't know how they fit everything in. I think they need to. I think you can make it work. A player like Pirlo, you can definitely make it work if he does join them. Um, but they've got to get some runners out ahead and maybe tweak that system to to give him players to uh, to move for him and to to get onto the end of his passing, and you know maybe more possession. You know when you bring in guys like him and Lampard, you know will take a little bit of pressure off that back line. But I think they do need a commanding sort of presence at center back, and and right now the guys they have aren't quite there. I think Chris Winger. The idea was that Winger would you know would would slide into center back, but he's wound up being more comfortable at left back. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Maybe somebody can step up from their current group, but I would I wouldn't be surprised to see them try and make a move within the league uh, to get a, a an experienced MLS defender on uh, a budget. All right, so we are we have limited time with Charlie, and I definitely want to get to the women's World Cup. So I'm going to rapid fire just very briefly on a couple of these other games. Um, what the heck is wrong with New England? It seems like they are just, I don't know, out of whack, and maybe that's the Jones factor. Yeah, but although there was, there was a little bit of, of a signs of issues before when he was playing as well, um, you know, he, he had some pretty rough outings earlier this year. Uh, I, I think the issue is you know, they live by the sword, die by the sword a bit. Um, they, they've, they haven't seemed to have gotten all their pieces firing at once the way that they had in that title run last year. And remember, this is a team that had had a pretty miserable midsummer losing streak uh, last last year before yeah. they put it all together. So I think there's still time. But you know, early on this year, Lee Wen wasn't quite firing at his normal uh, levels of quality, and now he's playing well, but he's not necessarily getting um, yeah. a lot of as much help as you would think he would. Um, Andrew Farrell is is still in a, on a little bit of a learning curve, I think, as a professional center back. He looks like uh, an honestly national team project or prospect at times, and then he looks completely 
a mess. I mean, they just they seem to get let their shape get torn apart way too easily, and uh, and so I think there's defensive questions to answer there, and I, I think it's probably going to end up having to be a, a question of guys getting better and getting more comfortable, but. Uh, it's not out of the question that they'll make a move as well. Okay, in a minute or less, I'm going to go to Toronto and D.C. I don't really care about the results. They didn't score any goals. Um, obviously, well, D.C. Let not me a- just jump right in here. This was a victory for for ugly football. I, well, I think that's- it, was, it was really disappointing to see the way that um, D.C. United took a concerted strategy to try and kick uh, Sebastian Giovinco this out of the game. This is exactly where I'm going. I thought they flirted with thuggishness in terms of the way they, they created contact with him and it, in some cases even, you know, put him in an injury situation, uh-huh. but it worked. Uh, and that's the rep he's going to get. Uh, and he needs to shed it by overcoming that. Yeah. And maybe it's his teammates well, stepping up and helping him out. But that's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, that's what I, I mean. You, you identified exactly where I wanted to go with this game because that's, and, and I know New York, uh, the, the, the city had done this to, to, to him as well. When they walked into that building and, and got a victory, they need a, is, are we just talking about like an enforcer, a protector, somebody to step up and, and play the play the heavy role to to, to, to Jovinko, or is this just going to be him overcoming it, or does the league actually need to seriously step in and say start whistling this stuff? Otherwise, we're not going to be able to get more Sebastian Jovinkos in this league. Yeah, I think it's we've had this discussion. I think it's all the above with what you mentioned there. We've had this discussion over and over. Right? There's a it seems to only make progress. Um, on a on an action level, when when there's serious injuries happen, like we saw with a couple broken ankles a few years ago, but the fact remains that there's just not a a, a consistent standard of um, uh, of of refereeing that that rewards skill over physicality and that that acknowledges um, the effect that creative players have. I mean, Giovinco, I just I, I mentioned on Twitter during that match. I don't think there's a defender in the league, or maybe you can count them on one hand, that can keep up with him one v one. He's a, he's just a joy to watch. He's a fantastic weapon, um, and and if you if you allow that kind of player to get kicked around, one certainly his teammates maybe can step up. But you know we know Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, those are not soft players. Those no. are guys that are going to stand up for their teammate. Uh, but but the rep is being formed and and it's up to TSC and and Giovinco to to uh, to challenge it mm-hmm. and maybe the league steps in with some of the off the ball stuff. All right, before we run out of time, Women's World Cup, United States going into a semifinal against Germany. Germany who outlasted the French on penalties despite maybe not having uh, the run of play in that game. And I'm being kind here. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, how does this matchup break out for the U.S.? They get Rapino and Holiday back. It's going to change the dynamic from what was their probably their best overall performance against China. Yeah, it's fascinating to to see. I, I'm really curious as to what um, lineup choices Jill Ellis will make. She's got some welcome headaches in terms of um, you know bringing back Rapino. Okay, where does she slot in? Does Holiday step straight back into the lineup? The central midfield looked the best it has in months with Brian and and Lloyd, two two club teammates who. Um, got into a rhythm and got into an understanding. I would rather see uh, Lauren Holiday move up into a, a second striker role where her, her real skill set lies, and anybody who watches her in NWSL and has watched her over the years would probably agree with me here. Um, she's most comfortable as, a, as an attacking presence. Um, I'd love to see her um, maybe paired in a dual attacking mid-role alongside Lloyd or, or maybe even make her an outright striker running off of Morgan or Wambach or Rodriguez. Uh, and then we'll have to see, you know, I think Rapino is going to step right into a wing role and will it be Tobin Heath? Will it be Kelly O'Hara on the other side? 
Uh, there's a lot of options, and and on the and you know with the Germans, they've got some questions to answer too. Uh, Jennifer Marosan, one of their best midfielders, is an injury doubt. Um, uh, Shashitz is uh, a great striker. We'll have to see if she's uh, able to keep up her scoring run. Uh, will they be able to create chances against an outstanding U.S. back line? There's a, a lot of fun uh, plot lines in this one. Well, you imagine that the U.S. back line is going to have to be stellar again. Um, <laughs> but you also brought, sort of brushed past the question I have. If you push Lauren Holiday up, that's fine. But that also creates a situation where you have a, a not a selection crisis, but a cer- certainly a selection issue at striker. And we saw what kind of difference. I know she missed an early chance. Uh, it was uh, right there for the taking, and she missed it, and it, it, it kind of colored the way people thought about her the rest of the match, Charlie. But Amy Rodriguez made a difference in her movement and her work rate, and I don't think they've gotten that out of anybody else in that tournament, and I wasn't impressed with Alex Morgan, uh, sort of to co- compare and contrast. So what, what, do they, what does Jill Ellis do with her strikers? Yeah, it was amazing to watch how a, a striker like Rodriguez making her first start of the tournament um, – came in and really led the team from the front, not not so much in words, but in actions. She set the tone with a really relentless uh, mentality of pressuring, of chasing down lost causes, of, of just trying stuff, moving into space. Uh, and it was, it was, everything was a lot easier for the U.S. in all positions because they were winning the ball in, in much more advanced positions generally. They turned it over, and, you know, Rodriguez was a little sloppy at times. She mm-hmm. turned it over, but she was immediately snapping back into the tackle, tracking down the ball again. Um, so I think the question, you know, this U.S. team, the mentality should be uh, front foot, aggression, uh, assertion over matches. And we haven't seen that uh, for long periods here this tournament with them. And they finally show it. I think they've got to do whatever it takes to keep that mentality, to keep the, the, the game being played in Germany's half. I think that's where they're at their best uh, collectively and individually. In one word, can the can the high pressure game that they used against the Chinese work against Germany yes or no? Yes. Okay, yes, fair enough. We're, Charlie Bohm, go ahead. We're deep into this tournament, Jason, and yeah. I think we're going to start to see some of the effects. Teams are wearing down the fitness questions, the turf questions, so this is really gut check time for all these four survivors. There you go. Charlie Bohm from MLSsoccer.com, SoccerWire.com, USsoccerplayers.com, uh, on Twitter at CBOEHM. Joining us to talk MLS and the women's national team. Charlie, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Likewise. Take care, Jason. There we go. Let's take a break. When we come back, the phone lines will be open. Whatever's on your mind on a Monday gets on the air if you call me up. Let's do this. Be right back. The best way to watch Copa America and the greatest players in the world, including Leo Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, and Alexi Sanchez, is on Sling International's exclusive broadcast of Copa America on BN Sport. Sling TV is the number one live international TV service in the United States. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch every single Copa America game live or on demand featuring Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and more. Plus, Sling International gives you access to Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, the New York Cosmos, Syria, and more top networks offered by Sling TV. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss the best leagues in the world on Sling International. Sign up today at www.sling.com soccer. Again, that's sling.com soccer. This Sunday evening... 
The Women's World Cup Final will determine who is the greatest team on the planet. Will it be the U.S. of A., Japan, Germany, or England that will be crowned champions? Whoever it'll be, I'd like to invite you to join my World Soccer Talk friends Carter Krishnire and Caitlin O'Connell on Rabble.tv for a real fan's perspective. With Rabble.tv, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on television, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to soccer fans sharing their analysis. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app today and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app on Sunday. So mark your calendars for Sunday, July 5th at 6.45 p.m. Eastern and celebrate the Women's World Cup Final with Cardick and Caitlin live on Rabble.tv. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, back on a Monday edition of Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Oops, I got to fix that one these days. Oh, look, I just did. My apologies. Let's uh, open up those phone lines, 646-832-3909. You have thoughts on the MLS weekend, the way that Rivalry Week played out? You have thoughts on this issue that I just brought up with Charlie Bohm, or he brought up with me because he beat me to the punch? no pun intended, of MLS players like Sebastian Jovinko facing difficult physical situations because the best way for DC United to beat Toronto, or in this case draw with Toronto, keep Toronto off the board, limit the influence of Sebastian Jovinko, is to physically manhandle him, foul him, hurt him, make him afraid to put his head into certain situations. I don't mean that literally, I just mean... Make him afraid and take him out of his game. And as long as MLS stands by, as long as the referees stand by and allow it to happen, it's going to be a problem. And as Charlie said, it, it seems to take it seems to take all of these injuries, David Ferreira, David Ferreira and Javier Morales and Steve Zakawani, for MLS to actually do anything to fix the problem. Maybe it's time to really try to fix the problem. And I know that's going to be a difficult situation. It's going to make people uncomfortable because you know what? The, to actually fix that problem, not only is it going to, is going to, is going to require a, a re-education of the referees, but it's going to be difficult because let's say you take a referee who has traditionally been raised in a, an American soccer environment, okay, which is typically a, a fast and physical and, 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 rough and tumble sort of environment anyway. Okay, you take them and you put them in a professional environment. You say, "Wait, we've got so we've got Jovinkos in this league. Um and we've got, you know, we've obviously still got Javier Morales. We've got players like Darlington Nagby who I think leads the league in in fouls, being fouled, fouls suffered. And we've got some of these attack, attacking, uh, you know, Lee Wynn up in New England and uh, and Kaká. And we want to protect these players. How do we do that? Moro Diaz. How do we do that? Well, you whistle a lot of fouls. I mean, that frankly, that's what you do. You whistle a lot of fouls. So you have a referee who now, again, has come out of envir an environment that is all about fast, physical, um, rough, and, and, and 
Fouling is part of it. We don't blow the whistle every time there's a little contact. We don't we don't do that here. You about to, you have to really get fouled in order for this to be to be whistled. Part of that is about the flow of the game. These things happen so much, these players are used to it so much. The American mentality is about physical play that if you did whistle everything that could be a foul under the laws of the game, you're stopping the game every 30 seconds. Where's the flow? So I need to ask you as soccer fans, do you care more about protecting our creative players and having a more attractive league, or do you care about flow? Because you're not going to have it both ways for a while if we do this, if we try to make these changes. Hey, look who it is. It's my old friend Mark Fishkin from the Seeing Red podcast here on Backheel.com and a, a fan of a certain New York team that, uh, that uh, earned a victory in the Bronx this weekend. Mark, how are you? I'm, I'm having a wonderful Monday morning. How are you, sir? <laughs> I, am, uh, I am wonderful as well, but probably not for the same reasons. Yeah, I mean, obviously um, a terrific showing really by everybody. And when you think about when this project, if you can call it NYCFC, was introduced, I think a lot of Red Bulls fans were pretty uh, glum about it because they viewed it as somewhat of a failure on their own ownership's part to generate as much uh, enough interest in their own club. Yeah. And one thing that that really struck me as I was taking um, the four train uh, up to the stadium yesterday was the youth that uh, NYCFC has energized in the city. Yeah. Um, the majority of the fans. Uh, going to the stadium. Yeah, there were certainly some families there, but it was mostly the 20-something urban uh, core that this league has been able to excite really across the country in places like Kansas City and in Philadelphia and you know, doing a better job in Columbus yeah. you know, outside of Cascadia. And, you know, while, while their supporters club clearly needs to uh, have some experience in terms of how to really uh, deliver a performance. Uh-huh. Um, it was everything that the league wanted. It was a sold-out match. Um, the, the, the news media, print and digital and broadcast all paid attention to the game. And it's <clears throat> hard to argue that it wasn't a massive success for MLS this weekend. But I obviously can't be happier about the result, and um, it was great to see Bradley put the ball in the net because that hasn't happened a whole lot of yeah, yeah, you know, we, we, we saw at Yankee Stadium what we've occasionally seen out at Red Bull Arena, and, and you would certainly be more um, um, you'd be more qualified to talk about the differences and why these things might happen beyond marketing or if it's just about marketing. But, you know, I, I identified this as whether or not it's a rivalry. It's certainly a big event, Mark, and... That is, yep. as you said, that's what the league wants. And, and, and eventually that will roll itself into a rivalry someday. I mean, for the time being, it is what it is. It's the first year of these two teams playing, trying to work up some actual animosity. I'm sure the, the fans of NYCFC are, are trying to, you know, their darndest to, to make it so that the, the Rebel fans actually care about beating mm-hmm. them and, and, and vice versa. Uh, but the, the, we, we get, uh, you know, we obviously got the soccer names out there. Um, Lampard's because he's signed, but Pirlo, and he's probably going to sign, but Gareth Bale's out there taking pictures with LL Cool J. I don't know why they're there. I don't think it matters to MLS. <laughs> I know we've had some luminaries show up at Red Bull Arena. So what is it, what is it about, 
you identify this this young urban core. What is it about NYCFC you think that's grabbed their attention in a way that Red Bull never did? I think most New Yorkers can't find the path train if it <laughs> smacked them in the face. Is it, is it, and is, I'll be perfectly honest wait, so with you. I mean, growing up and spending the majority of my life in and around this area, uh, I'll tell you that I never got on the path train until I was in my early 20s and was going to Hoboken for some festival or something mm-hmm. like that. I really was not aware of it, barely knew what it was or how to get there, and it was... You know, I mean, it's the classic New Yorker cover from from Seinberg in the late 1970s. It really is, for many, many people, uh, New Jersey, whether it's close in or far away, is a different country. Yeah. And as, as you know, the, the, the notion of dirty, smelly New Jersey and the Hudson River being this impermeable barrier, there's truth to it. There is absolute truth to it. Yeah. And... You know, taking the train up yesterday, train car after train car, packed with fans, mostly blue, some red. Uh, I got up there a little late, so most of the supporters were already in their seats. But that's how people go to the game in New York City. Mm-hmm. They take the subway. Right. And tens of thousands of them take the subway because yeah. it goes there. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I certainly wish these clowns luck in terms of building within the five boroughs and you and I going back years, Jason have gone back and forth about, well, where are they going to play? Because no, that's the key. You know, that's the key. You can capture all of the zeitgeist you want to capture, Mark. You can have 48,000 people dressed in blue. Not, not everybody. I know the Red Bull fans showed up. But you can have all these people dressed in, in city blue. You can make a big deal about Lampard coming and David Villa up front and maybe Andrea Pirlo. But if you don't find a place to play in, in three years, I'm still calling this thing a failure. I, I don't care because eventually those people will stop showing up. They'll start going, wait, where's our soccer? What? This isn't soccer. This is, again, this is continues to be an issue where we're playing in the and the Yankees are going to just say we're enough of this. <laughs> get out, get out. Well, and I mean, yes, and the Yankees obviously own part of the club. So, but yes, I mean, obviously, everyone realizes that this doesn't work unless they can get their own place to play. And it, this was my first time in Yankee Stadium for soccer. I had never gone to any one of the Euros not cash grabs there. And um, you know, the Red Bulls. You know, I was with the Red Bull supporters, and we were basically way, way up uh, behind one of the goals. And it was just odd and strange. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I didn't find it um, that strange that when New York was attacking down on the, in the second half, they didn't have to go over the faux infield cover uh, <laughs> in the second half. And I have to believe... I mean, obviously, Jesse totally lit a torch under them, and Matt Doyle's excellent column today talked about how Sasha's play in the second half and how that really changed, becoming more unpredictable, and that um, really helped unlock the, the city defense. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a stopgap measure. Um, it's now been, I think, three years, really, since the whole notion of uh, this team coming together in, in the city limits. And, you know, Ganji said at the Heineken Presser, um, we're committed to finding a place in the five boroughs. God forbid it's on Staten Island, because yeah. that's just as bad, Well, right? it's just if, it, you're, a tr- yeah, if you're in New York, Queens, uh, Brooklyn. Tell me, tell, me, tell me, Marcus, do you think that that's just a, he's just deferring to the traditional phrasing of, 
you know, New York is the five boroughs rather than because if he says the four boroughs, we all know who he's leaving out. <laughs> we all know who he's. He should say the four. He's never going to say the four boroughs. <laughs> he, he can't, you, you can't say the four. Boroughs. No, you got to. If you, you have to take a boat there, it's not going to work. Oh, right? we, we, yeah, right. Um, but, but I mean, it's just funny because. Of course, New Yorkers are all about the spirit of you know inclusiveness, and you can't leave out Staten Island. They are technically part of the city. <laughs> yes, but it is. But Staten Island is closer to New Jersey than Manhattan. Is. There, so, there you go. Um, cons- consult your uh, your atlas. Yep. But nevertheless, it was uh, it was a terrific uh, day. It was a, a terrific commercial for MLS, and and again, you have to think that one, again despite the, the Red Bulls fans' lamentations that this abomination even exists, um, this has done the trick. And, and lastly, I'll say, you know, you'd mentioned whether it's a rivalry or not, um, it's still a shiny new toy. Yes. This was still the first. This, yeah. this was just as an event as opening day was in the Bronx, right? Yeah. What's going to happen, and is the team on the rise going to do well? Is the team that's kind of mm-hmm. pointing downward going to fail? Mm-hmm. It didn't happen that way. Perhaps the first time that City wins that's when it truly becomes sure. a And we'll have to see if the shiny newness of this wears off at some point, Mark. It's definitely bear, it definitely bears watching in 2016. Well, well, is there one more on the schedule back at Red Bull? Is yeah, that- it's August 9th weekend in New Jersey. Okay. And, um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think the City fans are absolutely... Um, I mean, they would have loved to have won yesterday, won yesterday, but they also realized, listen, we're three months into this thing or four months into this thing, and they're furious, but they also know that these huge, huge name replacements are coming. It'll be interesting to see, knowing how international stars take a few months, half a season, really, to kind of adjust, most of them, whether they're going to figure it out, and obviously how the city midfield works with Lampard and Pirlo and Nix. Um in this tiny, tiny confined space at Yankee Stadium. But, yeah, I mean, if they get to year two and year three and they're not winning um, and they don't have a place to play, mm-hmm. things will turn ugly, which yep. I'm sure which will be delicious, uh, Shade and Fred. Um, for more, uh, for more of the uh, the blue hate and the uh, Red Bull analysis, make sure you check out Seeing on Backheel.com <laughs> from uh, our friend Mark Fishkin and uh, uh, Dave Martinez. Uh, Mark, appreciate the call, man. Thanks a lot. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Good good Monday for Red Bull fans. It goes Mark Fishkin. Good stuff from him. Let's turn now to our friend Landon out in Utah. What's up, Landon? Hey, Jason. How are you doing this morning? I am well. I'm sorry uh, keeping you on hold there. Mark Fishkin likes to talk. What can I do? Oh, no, no, no. It's good Good stuff to listen to. Hey, uh, first off, how good was that RSL goal this weekend? Oh, the, the set-piece goal? About as good as you can do. Yeah. About as good as you can do. The only the only goal that comes to mind that could possibly be better is that routine that the Americans try to pull off against Belgium in the World Cup. And that wasn't I mean, that wasn't a goal. If they had pulled that off, it would have stood the test of time as the greatest set piece routine of all time. This this is going to be a very good set piece goal because it happened in an MLS regular season game, but it was amazingly well taken. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Um, so a couple of things about that game this weekend I wanted to talk about. Um, one, I was actually talking to some fans. So I don't, I, I called them last week and I had mentioned how, uh, there are some rumors floating around about, uh, Sabo getting traded. Have yes. you, have you heard the update on that? I have not. I don't have my ear to the ground on, on Saborio. What's up? So here's, I mean, this is hearsay, right? But I got it confirmed by a bunch of fans who are close to the team. Apparently Sabo was flying back from Costa Rica, um, visiting a friend's wedding. 
And on the flight back, he got very drunk and belligerent, and American Airlines threw him off the plane. And they, and they, because of him being drunk and violent, they would not put him back on the plane, and he ended up missing training. And because of that, Kassar has not played him for the last two weeks, and everyone is saying that he's actually on the trading block right now because of that. Well, that's, I mean, that's not the kind of thing you want to get out. It's going to affect his trade value. I mean, I'll say that right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised that that didn't make at least, like, you know, the undercurrent rumor. Now, I know you said it's a rumor, but, I mean, I'm surprised that didn't get actually confirmed by anybody. Um, has this? Uh, give it. Go ahead. So, so uh, give it a couple of weeks. I know the same thing happened with Velasquez last year with his DUI. Um, we, all the fans, this same group of fans I talked to know are very close to the team. I heard about it from them a couple of weeks beforehand, and then uh, then it came out public because it, it was a crime they had to. Um, but give it a couple of weeks. I guarantee you'll hear it. You'll hear it in public pretty soon. Okay. Well, let's just. Let's just make sure that we're, we're we're saying this is hearsay that we have no confirmation of this. Yep. yep. I complete don't complete hearsay, complete rumor, but I thought it's something interesting that, that I, I was hearing quite a bit of talk about at the game. Okay. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the. Well, you got anything else, Landon? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Fine. Yeah. One more thing. Um, Lu- Luis Gill. What mm-hmm. do you think about him? Uh, I think that he stalled, and I'm not sure why he stalled. I don't. So I know this. They've been doing this, you know, year after year, saying that this is going to be Gill's year. This is going to be Gill's year. I don't understand why they haven't cut the cord at this point. Um, I know his Adidas contract has expired, so we're now taking the full brunt of the thing. Watching him play on on Saturday was, was just rough. I mean, the kid had a lot of potential, but he's been here what five years at RSL now. And he is really everyone every keeps saying this is going to be his coming out year. This is going to be his coming out year, and it's just not happening. Um, do you think they should hold on to him? Do you think do you think they should say enough's been enough? Well, what do you think? I mean, I imagine that a change of scenery might do him some good. I don't know. You know, I'm starting to, at this point, Landon. I'm starting to wonder if Jeff Kassar is the right coach for anybody at this point at RSL. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there should be some serious question. I, you know, oh my gosh, we beat Sporting at home. It's a big deal. That's going to set our season off on the right trajectory. Well, you follow that up with a loss in New York. Okay, that's a tough road trip. And then you lose from a win. I mean, you uh, drop points from a winning position against Columbus at home. This isn't. This is not going well. I mean, it's certainly not going to RSL standard. And uh, while it uh, for a young player like Luis Gill, I certainly put some of the um, some of the responsibility at his feet. You have to wonder how a coach is doing with that kind of player because it takes a certain kind of coach to trust. First of all, trust in that player, and second of all, set them up to succeed. Maybe that's not happening. Maybe that, maybe that's the issue with Luis Gill. Yeah, no, that's that's what I was thinking too. Is I was, you know really hating on Gill, just getting so sick and tired of him. But at the end of the game, I was like, why is Kassar even putting him? On, why is he even putting him on the field? Like, why why is he even getting playing time if everyone knows that he's this consistently bad? I mean, and he's just not bad, but he's really not good. And for five years, you know, everyone's talking about potentially he's really not that great. So, anyways, just something to think about. That's all I got today. I right, appreciate the call, Landon. Good stuff, man. Uh, there goes uh, Landon out in Salt Lake City. Let's turn now to uh, our friend. Well, uh, we're first going to go to Robert in L.A. Robert, what's up? Hey, good morning, Jason. Morning. Uh, I've been talking to uh, L.A. Galaxy with you. Yep, what about him? Because uh, you had a couple of good games, and, and then you threw up an egg against uh, your biggest rival. Uh, yes, I was very disappointed about that. It was uh, They just couldn't control him, uh, Gar- Perez Garcia over there. He's, uh, man, he's, a good, very, he's a very good player, but disappointed about that, but I'll, I was really disappointed. Also, once again, this whole uh, 
season, not to, we haven't had a back-to-back lineup, so it happened again. And now with everyone with uh, major players going to the Gold Cup, uh, Panena, mm-hmm. Omar, mm-hmm. uh, Zarez, and you know possibly Alan Gordon, and now Steven Gerrard's coming in uh, next week. So well, Gordon's training. not good. Gordon's not going. Uh, it's going to be a very rough summer. Yeah, Gordon's not going anywhere. So I think you're fine on that front. But yes, uh, you certainly have. Uh, Azardis is a massive loss, considering how well he's been playing. Uh, Gonzalez is a massive loss uh, defensively, although he came out of that game at halftime with an injury. What's the what's the word on that? Uh, they're saying just uh, they just wanted to play it safe because he had he took a little knock to the head, so it was just uh, all precautionary. Okay, all right. Well, that's good to hear. I told it is precautionary, especially for the U.S. national team. Uh, well, okay, so you come out of the weekend having lost that game in front of the 50,000 at Stanford where they don't always do that well, Robert, and they've lost in the past. We remember 2013, Gordon scoring the winner in extra time or in out of time. Oh, I remember. Yeah, of course you do. Uh, it's seared into the, the, your brain cells. Uh, but how do you feel right now? I mean, the Gold Cup period's got to make you nervous, but do you think that eventually on the other side of the Gold Cup, this is a team that, that can go for another title? Yes, but uh, right now, I know the next month, uh, the whole month of July is going to be very rough, especially with uh, the summer friendlies we have. And who knows if we if we make a run in the Open Cup? Because I know we we play San Jose again, and if you depending, we, I hope we win. But then who knows where we're going to go after that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's uh, and then Gerard's going to come in, and I it's it's going to struggle at the beginning, but I, I feel he's going to. Give his full effort, and there's going to be a, a whole midfield change of like you know every week what what to find the perfect lineup. Yeah, it's it's a lot of juggling and it's a lot of moving pieces, and we'll see if the Galaxy. I mean, I think at their best, obviously they can be completely unstoppable, but at they're not always at their best, and they and they they've, they've thrown up enough questionable performances that you wonder worry that the that the consistency won't be there, Robert. And we have CCL, so for, we uh, a lot of people are forgetting about that, and then. So more lineup changes, more depth. So uh, it's going to be very, very uh, second half of the season going to be a lot different from the first half. Yep. I appreciate the phone call, Robert. You got anything else? Uh, yes, real fast. Uh, yes, yesterday you were talking about uh, Jesse's marches, uh, how he was losing his, you know what, on the sideline against uh, NYFC. Yep. <laughs> yeah, hey, let me tell you, Jason, manager's goal I reactions. Uh, I, you're, we'll more of it. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Robert. That was a good moment to have. I mean, the only reason we got that is because uh, when uh, Duvall went over to celebrate with his teammates, Jesse Marsh ran down the sidelines, did a little Jose Mourinho, and got involved in the in the scrum there. Appreciate the call, Robert. Let me let you go. Let's go from Robert to Roberto uh, up in Connecticut. What's up, Roberto? Oh, man. Uh, morning, Jason. Uh, oh, man. It's been a great weekend for me. <laughs> you got the Copa America, the Red Bulls win. Uh, I don't know where to start, but... um. Yes, I mentioned the Copa America. Um, yeah. Do you feel that this is a Brazil side that is, um, I guess, the uh, sleeping giant nowadays because of the um, na- being um, without Neymar or even with Neymar? It's too Neymar dependent. It's definitely Neymar dependent, and I think that you know it's one of those situations where I don't necessarily think they have to be Neymar dependent, or that the rest of the team isn't good enough to get them by. It's that when Neymar is in the lineup, he is such a gravitational force that they just defer to him. He's so good, he's so um, dynamic on his own, that the instinct is get the ball to Neymar, get the ball to Neymar, get the ball to Neymar, or we Neymar will help us, Neymar will figure it out. We're struggling, we're not getting anything else going, Neymar will figure it out for us. 
and that has unbalanced them. And I don't think it's Neymar's fault necessarily. I don't think his head's on right most of the time, but I don't think it's his, it's his fault. The reason he works at Barcelona is because the gravitational pull of uh, of Messi certainly, but also Suarez balances that team out. They don't have that with Brazil, and no matter the talent level, and that's that's a problem. This is I don't know about sleeping giant. This is a Brazilian team that inspires nobody except for except for him, except for Neymar. And I I, I said on Twitter after Neymar's suspension came down that his legacy may be never winning anything with Brazil. Um, but it is Brazil, so you can't say that with certainty. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you're looking at someone that could play at least uh, minimum 10, 15 years. Oh, yeah. Left yeah, he's, he's got a good 10, 12 years left in, in that national team. And he's already, I mean, he's going to, he's probably going to, that's the thing about Neymar. This is the, di, the diametric difference or the diametric uh, question about Neymar. He can set the all time Brazilian goal scoring record while also being part of a team that is fading on the international stage, or doesn't seem to be anywhere near. I mean, we, we've been dealing with a non-Brazil Brazil, an un-Brazil-like Brazil, for quite some time. They haven't been 82 Brazil in a long, long time. And you have Dunga at the helm, so you know they're going to play a certain way. So that's the thing. You've got this, this amazing, you know, once-in-a-lifetime kind of player on a team that that is not, anywhere near what we saw in previous generations and that's just it's this weird uh it's this weird uh, yin and yang yeah and that differs itself from argentina as well i'm sorry i said that differs away in argentina you know yeah if you compare the players that brazil has and the players argentina has there's a huge difference yes right exactly so uh what do you make it tonight uh a tough game you know it's a rivalry uh, chile against peru um, the Pacific Classic is at home. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm bringing this back to you, Jason. Do you think we see a possible upset, or do we see Chile in the final? Ah, I see Chile in the final. I mean, this is their tournament. They're at home. I, I think they'll be fine. I mean, uh, they'll get over the the harder thing. They'll probably use that as some sort of motivation. Although there's no reason that anybody should be defending what he did, uh, especially if what he said is true. Um, and and uh, Peru, I mean, I, Peru's playing great soccer. They're fun to watch, but I just think that ultimately you're going to see uh, you're going to see Chile lifted by the crowd, and and you know players like Vidal and Sanchez make a difference. Okay. Um, what about Argentina against my Paraguay? Argentina probably get through, but uh, they haven't made it easy on themselves. So uh, you, you can't just say it's going to be they're going to they're going to walk it. Um, I would I would I would put my money you know not not saying that I'm I'm you know a South American football expert especially certainly on Paraguay but I would put my money on Argentina and a Chile Argentina final is is pretty much what this tournament you know what you want out of this tournament I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. Definitely be. Um something to watch yeah absolutely and i think that uh, final is on the fourth of july as a matter of fact it is yeah there you go so uh, you know set i know it's not an american soccer event people but set your calendars get your get your schedule together so your burgers and your dogs and your fireworks can all be timed so you can watch the final of copa america whoever it ends up being of these four teams i know uh, roberto will be watching appreciate the call roberto yeah no problem all right got anything else yeah no no uh no no i know All right, have a good week. Talk to you soon. Goes Roberto in uh, Connecticut talking to Copa America, which continues on. And it's it's nice when you have you come out of a a soccer-filled weekend and we're talking about all of these games that have happened in the the MLS Rivalry Week and 
um, and certainly the Women's World Cup. And you also now have semifinals of Copa America happening, and I, and I get to watch that game tonight. I don't have to take a day off from games yet. Not yet. Tonight. Got to last night. If I can stay awake. It's a, it's a thing these days. Sleep is a thing. Got some people sharing some links over here on, uh, on my particular uh, Twitter feed. Uh, and, and some comments. Stephen Clark says, uh, Luis Gil stalling may be the result of, ML, of RSL slow slip back to a traditional small, small market team. It's, look, the, if the team takes a step back, that's going to impact how, how good Luis Gill looks in that setup. You just hope that, uh, you just hope that he can rise above that or that there's some way for Kassar to actually get the best out of Luis Gill because he does have the talent. There's no doubt about that. Watch him play with the U.S. when he gets called up to those U squads. He's, he's the best player on the field more often than not. It's just whether or not he can make, he can bring that to bear on his MLS side. And again, I question coaching and I question the makeup of that team and I question where RSL is, just as Stephen Clark did. Landon uh, on Landon on Twitter sharing the uh, the RSL soapbox link with the story uh, about Alvaro Sabarillo. Uh, here's uh, here's the uh, the story according to reports from Costa Rica. So there is uh, some actual reporting being done out of Costa Rica. Sabarillo was drunk and aggressive on an American Airlines flight after attending Kaylor Navas's wedding on Saturday. Uh, Navas, obviously the Costa Rican goalkeeper back up at Real Madrid, who's going to miss the Gold Cup, I think. I don't think he's playing in the Gold Cup. Uh, Costa Rican reports state that Sabarillo had to, had to take another flight, not on American Airlines, creating a substantial delay in his arrival back to the U.S. Those reports have not been confirmed. Uh, he, uh, Sabarillo, did, he missed a match. This is uh, back uh, about last, well, last week. I guess he missed... Um, that would have been the match uh, against uh, who did they, who, which which uh, game did they play last weekend? Was that the win over Sporting? So uh, there you go. Uh, again, that's all hearsay at this point. Costa Rica reports nothing out of the U.S. media. I, I if that was something that happened, I, I'm a little surprised we're not seeing it reported by from the U.S. media. And that's the kind of thing that needs to be reported by the U.S. media if we're ever going to take a step forward, et cetera, and so forth. All right. Uh, looking at these uh, phone lines, they have trickled to a stop, and it seems like a good place to wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning on a Monday. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Charlie Bone for his insight, both on MLS and the Women's World Cup. We will be back tomorrow. If you've got SiriusXM, uh, check out today's show. It's going to be a fantastic program. Nick Sakevich is going to join us on that show. Should be a, a, good, a good discussion. Uh, with the president of the Philadelphia Union. If you don't have Sirius XM, make sure you're considering it. How about I'll say it that way? I was going to say, go get it, but at least consider it. Check it out. There may be an opportunity for you to get, uh, you know, go, if you've you got an old buddy with it, listen to it a little bit, check it out. Certainly Sirius XM FC is brilliant, and then there's all of that other uh, uh, programming uh, that's available. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks again to Charlie Bohm and to you guys for listening. And uh, go to backheel.com slash store. To buy yourself a soccer morning mug. We've got the t-shirts over at 3nilfc.com. And uh, give us an iTunes rating and review to help us out. And we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. See ya.